uh, six minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. Welcome to your weekend. Thanks for sharing your weekend with us here on the program. We're glad you're with us, and we'd love it if you would... uh, Well, we can't... You know, we're having phone line problems, so it might be best for you to email me uh, through the uh, AroundTheHouse.com website because I'll see the email right here in the studio. It'll be kind of real-time as if it were a phone call, but we're not trusting our phone line system right now we um uh the the hamster fell off the treadmill chris or something like that right something went wrong yes, with the yes. orange juice can thing uh with the strings broke between the orange juice cans isn't that the rest of that story anyway so uh i don't know we're gonna get it fixed someday but right now there's no <clears throat> active phone line connections but i will see your email right here i've got two or three of them actually that have come in uh, today a lot of people email me on saturday knowing the show is going to be on uh, on the air today, so <clears throat> we can go over those here in just a minute. A listener, a loyal listener named Ann, emailed me this little list this morning, which I think will make you feel better about your life. We'll see here. I think it's kind of this is kind of an interesting list. Okay, in case you feel bad about missing your exercise today, ponder this. The inventor of the treadmill died at the age of 54. The inventor of gymnastics, the modern gymnastics, died at the age of 57. The world bodybuilding champion died at 41. The best footballer in the world, Maradona, I think I'm saying that right, died at the age of 60. James Fix, credited with helping start America's fitness revolution by popularizing running, you may remember him, died of a heart attack while jogging at age 52. Okay, so... Here's the other list. The KFC founders, the husband and wife, Harlan Sanders and his wife, died in their 90s. Cigarette maker Charles Winston died at the age of 102. The inventor of opium, as it's used as a a drug, died at 116 in an earthquake. Hennessy liquor inventor died at 98. How did smart people come to the conclusion that exercise prolongs life anyway? Good question. The rabbit is always jumping up and down but it lives only two years and the tortoise that doesn't exercise at all lives for a couple hundred in some cases so get some rest chill stay cool eat drink enjoy your life and don't worry so much right so that you know you you, want to be on the on the second list right exercise uh is um some people think it's not good for you and uh, there's a list that might prove that that case so relax and then enjoy things the way they are anyway we're glad you're with us here on the program and i've got some stuff i wanted to talk about from this week uh that i've got a quote where i hope i can lay my hands on this right away um about the gas stove things cropped up again where this is the third or fourth week in a row we've talked about gas stoves and i warned you that the initial uh, the little feelers that were sent out by the government about getting rid of gas stoves they backed off and people went nuts and chefs were threatening to boycott and not cook anymore and people keep your hands off my gas stove and i warned you that that was just this is how the government does their regulation because they know what's best for us they put a little feeler out in the news and they know the outrageous uh, how, how outraged people are going to be about it then they pretend to back off and just kind of <clears throat> oh we're well we're, we weren't really serious about that and you know we we were just kind of thinking out loud and all that well 
Here we go. There's new rules promulgated by the government this week that, that will effectively get rid of gas stoves. We'll talk about that in a, uh, maybe in the next segment because I want to spend some time on it. There was a great Wall Street Journal article about it this morning. So <clears throat> stand by. Your gas stoves are probably going away whether you like it or not because everybody knows the government knows what's best for us. We are too obtuse to decide it for ourselves i guess lisa sent me <clears throat> this is a little interesting email today uh she's kind of uh, active in her church and uh, i'll just run this by you because it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of facets to this our church's music library had signs taped on the doors with masking tape for about 10 years we took the signs down but are having a heck of a time getting rid of the adhesive on the wooden doors We've used rag, saturated, and Goo Gone, and Goo Gone is a nice solvent. I do like that stuff, by the way. Kind of lemony smelling, and it, it works pretty well. But I haven't had much success. Is there something else we can use that won't damage the wood doors? Well, whenever I hear about glue and adhesive and mastic that won't come loose, I always think about maybe a little heat, a little heat. Not a lot, but a little bit of heat from a hairdryer can sometimes just relax adhesive enough that the solvent will do a better uh, a better job. So uh, that's the first thing I recommend. And, you know, I'll give you a great, even a better example of this are, are those uh, appliques you put on the bottom of your tub, those little, you know, stick-on things, little flowers. They are very, very tough to remove, and uh, sometimes it helps <clears throat> to... Um, to put a little heat from a hairdryer on those and they kind of melt and loosen up and get a little liquefied and you can remove the appliques easier so i would i would try at least i i would try heat a little gentle heat now you can't leave the hairdryer pointing in one place no matter what your if whatever the material is you're trying to heat up whether it's tile or brick or in this case wood you want to go back and forth to just get a nice even application of a little uh, heat from the hairdryer just so things get a little warm and then <clears throat> try your solvent you can um, um try your goo gone uh which works pretty good in my house and goo gone's a good solvent for getting like if you if you bring something home from the store and there's a price tag on it you want to get rid of the of the re- residual adhesive from the price tag goo gone works pretty well lipstick anything greasy Gugon works pretty well. There's another product with a similar name called Goof Off, which is a lot stronger. It's it's kind of will remind you of your dad's lighter fluid, you know, for a cigarette lighter in the old days. It's uh, it's pretty strong. But I would try the Gugon after the heat, or a little Scotch liquid gold might uh, might help. Uh, Goof Off. I, I'm reluctant. To recommend goof off depends what the finish of the doors are. If you want to try a little out of the way test area, and it's by the way, it's always a good idea to test products like solvents in out of the way places to make sure you're not doing permanent damage. But try a little heat in your Gugon solvent and see if that loosens things up a little bit. And when when the adhesive is gone, you can then apply. There's a lot of wood conditioner cleaners. Uh, and seasoning products like Scotch Liquid Gold, Old English um, Method. Uh, that's one I like. It's kind of a wood oil. Uh, it's it's oily, but not 
it's it's got a cleaning part to it and a seasoning part. If you put method on a rag and wipe it on your furniture, it makes it glow and all that. But there is a little uh, a little bit of a a cleaning action that that the method does. You can find that online. Lowe's has it, I know, in a spray bottle. Those are just some things. That, but I do like the Scotch Liquid Gold, by the way. They it's a tried and true product, been around for a long time. So a little heat kind of helps. The other half of Lisa's email is that she has they have a lectern at church with white discoloration on the edges from skin oils. Well, yeah, if people that were preaching at the church grab the side of the of the wood lectern, you're going to have some staining there. Uh, it's sometimes it's it's yeah, it's oil from human skin, I guess, just oil that's on your on your body mixed in with a little dirt and pollution and that kind of thing. She says we tried Murphy's oil soap and some furniture paste wax. None of that worked. Anything else? That we could um, that we could use uh, again. Scotts Liquid Gold here uh, can work nicely, and don't forget mineral spirits. Now, mineral spirits is what we used to call in the old days paint thinner, and it's a little strong. So you want to again try a little test area, maybe on the inside of the lectern where nobody can see it, and that might help get 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 the those handprints and and all of that grease and pollution off of there. Um, it, once you strip that down and get that cleaned again with the mineral spirits is a strong degreaser that's why i like it like for kitchen cabinets and so on then you could use your old english scots or minwax the minwax people make a uh, some great products like all-in-one cleaner uh, uh and and wood wood uh, preservative and seasoner products with a little uh the, it, there's usually a little uh lacquer inside to kind of finish the uh, uh the whatever you're trying to rub off if you make kind of a a flat spot in the finish of the wood then the minwax product the one-step product that has a little uh a little waxy kind of component to it i don't know if it, i don't think it's varnish or anything like that but it has a little bit of a sheen to it once it does the cleaning and seasoning of the wood so some of those minwax one-step products work so th- this is the kind of thing that's interesting. It's it's this is a whatever works kind of deal. I mean, you just when you're when you're dealing with wood like this that needs help uh, from various whether it's it's um, the adhesive from the masking tape or whether it's marks from kids scribbling or drawing on woodwork and doors, fingerprints like we're talking about here. It's whatever works kind of thing. So you got to use a solvent first and then some kind of a wood finishing and seasoning product. So that's kind of the two-step deal here. But again, if you try test areas, you can kind of figure out what works. Of course, sometimes you simply have to sand it down and restain and refinish. But uh, Lisa, not right now. I would try some of these uh, homemade-type remedies and see what works uh, in your case. So bless you. Working in your church, I'm sure uh, you're, you're volunteering to kind of Keep the place ship shape. So I hope I've uh, I've hope I've helped you. It's 17 minutes after the hour. We're going to take a break and back with uh, with more. Of, we have some great email that came in this week. And if you want to email me, it's aroundthehouse.com. We'll be right back. Well, now we're talking. Uh, we're going to talk here in a minute about natural gas and the price for natural gas keeps going up. Your heat bill goes up. If you have old, inefficient windows, you need to get rid of them and get some new vinyl windows, energy efficient vinyl windows from my friends at Dutch's Home Improvement. Give them a call at seven one nine. 
392-1369 or duchesshomeimprovement.com. These folks have been around for over 30 years. I know you've heard and seen their name around town. They're reliable. They have all the right licensing and insurance, of course, and the best installers in town. So if you have ugly old wood, steel, or aluminum windows, you got to get rid of them, especially if they're single-pane glass and get some energy-efficient windows. It's the it's really the, the, the way to save energy, summer and winter. If you have AC in the summer, then good windows, of course, will help save on your electric bill for your air conditioning. So give Dutchess a call. Tell them I sent you at 719-392-1369. Get in the queue. Get some energy-efficient windows from Dutchess Home Improvements. Welcome back to the program. It's 22 minutes after the hour on the Around the House program. As I indicated, we have some phone line issues Technology, what's the, uh, my favorite expression these days, technology is great until it isn't, right, Chris? So anyhow, that's the way it goes. So, But I can see an email here in the studio. Go to aroundthehouse.com and click the second button from the left, and I'll see your email right here in the studio, as did Colleen. I like that name, Colleen. It's a, yeah, I, I've got a couple of friends, one back east and one here named Colleen, Colleen, thank you for, she lives in the north end of Colorado Springs. I have a problem with discoloration of grout that's used these days in the shower and now on my laminate countertops. I'll attach a couple of pictures, uh, and I, I, she did get, send me some pictures here. And we're talking about two different things. Uh, Colleen, I know you're using the term interchangeably, and I'm, I'm, not, uh, just, I'm not trying to be critical, but there's a difference. Grout is what's between tile that's the hard uh, stuff that's kind of a, a hard mortar or cement kind of idea usually colored uh that does have a little cement and a little lime in it and so on and and um uh, that's between tile between the the gaps in uh, tile whether it's on the wall or on the floor that's grout uh in the corners wherever there's a 90 degree angle we have caulking and you sent me a picture of both discoloration and both and so i want to deal with these <clears throat> your kitchen countertops where the formica top meets the wall and where the backsplash meets the wall i can see that's uh, a little discolored in your uh, in your picture and that's just this just happens with caulking uh it's it just caulking ages there's always a little bit of a sticky type component to it so it does tend to pick up uh, dust and dirt from the air and pollution as i like to uh, call it in a general way so caulking needs to be renewed oh i don't know once a year or even a little more uh, and it's easy to do yourself you can do a professional caulking job with a a caulking gun and your finger dipped in some water is to kind of smooth the caulking you know the the, the actual caulking line where the 90 degree angles come together so wherever there's an angle a 90 degree angle uh, at the wall line or the backsplash line of your kitchen countertop, that's where we use caulking. You can caulk uh, with a caulking gun, which has a trigger on it, and you get a caulking tube and stick it in there, and you know how to do that. Also, caulk comes in toothpaste tube-type containers that you simply squeeze. It depends how much you have to do. If you've got a whole kitchen to do, you'll want to get a couple of tubes of caulking. I like the DAP brand, D-A-P. Uh, it's a siliconized product has a little silicone in it which means it's uh, impervious to water it sticks really well so you can look for a siliconized tub and tile 
product for your kitchen and of course it comes in colors you can get a a gray or a tan or just a pure white which most most people use the pure white and so you just need to renew that once in a while in both in the kitchen and in the shower stall where the where the walls come together in the corner and where the tile comes down and meets the shower base there's all kinds of 90 degree angles in those locations and uh that also needs to be renewed. That caulking once in a while. You can remove the old caulking with, there's a dozen implements you can use. You can use a, a beer can opener. It works well because it's got a sharp point on it. You can use a knife, uh, or, or a single-edged razor blade, uh, a, a wood chisel, a sharp screwdriver, or any or all of those to remove the caulking uh, from your shower, from along your kitchen countertop and start over now there are caulking gel softeners for caulking that perhaps has been there for a long long time uh, 3m makes one but i know there are other brands that make uh, a caulking gel it's a softener actually it's a product that goes over the caulk you let it sit there for 20 or 30 minutes or so and it softens things up and they makes them much easier to remove now it does get pretty sticky and gooey on your fingers and on your tools but so be it. Uh, so you can, if you have caulking that's been there a long time and it's hardened up, you can get the caulking uh, gel uh, product, a remover, a softener, uh, if, you, if you would like. So if you take a shower, maybe two of you take a shower every day in the same shower stall, every four, five, six months, you're going to get some discoloration in that caulking because it just is constantly wet and wet produces fungi which can be mold or mildew and so the discoloration and caulking in the shower is perfectly normal and uh, as it turns black you'll see it down there uh it, it the tub and tile caulk does contain some what are known as mildecides c-i-d-e mildecides which discourage the formation of mold and mildew but eventually it does take over so you got to remove that once in a while and start over You'll brighten up your shower by putting new tub and tile caulk in there, especially if it's nice, bright white. And it's easy to do yourself, as I say. Be a little patient. Remove it first as much as you can. Uh, and make sure uh, that you, you, know, you, you scratch out wherever the, where it, let's say the, the shower, you have a shower base that, uh, like a pan that comes up about three inches on the wall. Where the tile meets that is a place to caulk and uh, you got to remove all of that and make sure there's no water in there you you may need to take a shower someplace else for a couple of days because you want that to all dry out if there's wet spots behind the old caulking make sure that's nice and dry before you apply the new you snip off the end of the caulking tube and just squirt it in there and then as i say you can there are tools there are plastic uh, tools that are, are meant to smooth out and uh, caulking that's they're right angled plastic little my dad would call them doohickeys that you rub in there to make a nice smooth line but i use my finger uh i don't even use a rubber glove i just have a uh, a, a plastic cup of water in the shower dip my finger in the water and run it along the caulk and uh it depends you might read the directions i'm sure you 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 have read the directions on your caulk uh, they talk about how long before you should get it wet. Usually it's 24 hours for a full cure on caulking. But again, your finger or a caulking tool makes a nice makes a nice bead there that's even and fills in all the gaps. So that's caulking, whether it's in the kitchen or the 
shower around the tub in the bathroom and so on grout is a different story grout gets discolored because it gets soap scum and body oils and and just general uh, here we go again with the word pollution just makes grout between the tile lines you look a little grayish or uh, kind of a brownish gray color that uh, is not very attractive it looks dirty actually even if it's not and you can, again grouting is easy there's a grout scoring tool you can use to get rid of the old uh, grout it's a little like a little carbide blade you run back and forth you want to go down about an eighth of an inch or so and get all that out of there with a, a wet sponge and you know it'll be all crap all over the shower floor you, you get a dustpan and broom and clean all that up and uh, the old grout well, you'll you'll see grooves between the tiles where you've removed it all, and then you just you get some pre-mixed grout that comes in tubs that's all mixed up and the right consistency and ready to go. And you can get a grout application tool, which is usually some kind of a sponge thing with a handle on it, and regrout your shower. You'll get a professional job in no time. It's an e- one of the easiest DIY jobs around the house is to regrout your uh, your shower. Uh, you have to be a little patient and go, you know, up and down and sideways, vertical and horizontal lines to fill that uh, the missing grout between the tile. Then let that cure. And here's the secret to avoiding dirty, dingy-looking grout in your shower is to use a grout sealer. Now, it's easier said than done. It's a silicone-based liquid product that you have to kind of paint on with a small brush. You just can't slop it on like you can with the with the grout uh when you regrout you can just go back and forth and and let it dry and then polish up the tile you don't, don't have to be careful about keeping the the grout tool in the grooves between the tiles necessarily because if you slap a little grout on the tile you can always wipe it off with a wet sponge and polish it up with the with the uh grout sealant the liquid sealant you have to be a little careful you want to keep it on the grout only so a little a little brush will help a lot and that'll keep it from aging and getting dingy and dirty much longer because that silicone seal will prevent the moisture from getting in the grout in the first place so that's kind of the story grout one is one thing and caulking is another but they both need to be renewed from time to time both in the kitchen and the bath so i hope that's helpful for you colleen thank you for that uh email i've given you a little bit of a uh, a soliloquy here a monologue on keeping things clean in the bath and the kitchen but you'll be amazed at how much it'll brighten up things when you recock and or regrout uh, at your house. Time for another break. It's um, it's uh, 28 minutes before the hour, so we'll take a quick one here. We'll be back. We have live email today at aroundthehouse.com. Second button from the left. We'll be right back. You know, it's really hard to find a heating contractor you can trust. They don't want to sell you stuff you don't need. You know, who needs that in their lives? Well, I want to recommend Click Heating and Air. Just what you need, when you need it. They don't have technicians on commission, so they're not going to sell you a bunch of stuff. They want a customer for the long term, so you can trust them. Give them a call at 782-5425. And Jim at Click wants me to remind you that life's too short to do without central air, and he's got a limited number of the 13-seer air conditioners. Once these are gone, on and the new federal regulations kick in you'll be paying a thousand bucks more so now's the time to sign up for central air with click heating and air 719-782-5425 and if you haven't had your furnace checked this uh, season they've got a 20 dollars discount only 79 bucks to get the furnace checked you need to do that 
to keep your family safe. So if you're looking for an honest heating contractor who's on your side, click Heating and Air. Get Central Air before they run out. Call them at 719-782-5425. It's 23 minutes before the hour on the uh, Around the House program. We're glad you're with us. As I say, we're having phone line issues, unpredictable issues. So you know how gremlins are when they get in, into an electronic or a system. Uh, I, I was going to say IT. This is actually phones, but so is there, it's unreliable today. But we have live email at aroundthehouse.com. So if you want to check in with me via email, go to the or my website, aroundthehouse.com, second button from the left, and I'll see it right here in the, uh, in the studio. So here's a piece that was in this morning's Wall Street Journal. This is the third or fourth week in a row we've talked about gas stoves. I've got a little thing i want to run by you a little quotation from c.s lewis to wrap all this up i think you'll get a kick out of it so anyway wall street journal editorial board when progressives can't pass their agenda through the front door by going to congress they sneak it in through a regulatory back window that's what the administration is doing with gas stoves here we go now as we talked about the energy department this week proposed new rules that amount to a gradual de facto ban a Biden appointee on the Consumer Product Safety Commission ignited a firestorm last month uh, threatening to ban gas stoves, uh, and everybody went crazy and, and said, no, no, you know, you stay away from my stove and all that. Well, that's fine. The government just kind of ignored, uh, ignored that. So here's the backdoor approach. The Energy Department proposed new efficiency standards that would effectively ban the sale of most gas stoves currently uh, on the market. The stated purpose of the rulemaking is to, here we go, reduce energy consumption and save money. In other words, it's for your own good. But these benefits are meager. The Wall Street Journal says the department estimates the proposed rule would reduce energy use by a mere 3.4% from the status quo, and consumers on average would save $22 over a cooktop's lifetime. How about that? Let's see here. Uh, even this assumes the standards are technically achievable without compromising performance. A spokesperson for the Association of Appliance Manufacturers tells us that gas cooktops would have to be completely redesigned. Burners have to be smaller. Heavy grates altered and, inc- and would increase cooking times. 20 of the 21 gas stove top models the Energy Department tested would not meet the proposed standards. So manufacturers would have to spend hundreds of millions of dollars redesigning stoves if they bother, which they won't. Why would they, right? This reminds the, uh, and these costs would be passed, of course, on to us consumers, right, in higher prices. The Energy Department estimates increased appliance prices will be offset by lower energy bills and climate and health benefits. They always say that. But these benefits are speculative in the future while higher product costs occur right now government's always talking about the long term well but we have to spend money in the short term right making appliances more energy efficient involves trade-offs consumers and manufacturers may choose to make them but they shouldn't be forced this is this kind of is the money paragraph here recall how federal efficiency standards reduce the performance of dishwashers machines that once washed and dried dishes in an hour Sometimes take two or three and still don't get the job done. I remember when that hit the fan. 
Biden officials claim the proposed gas efficiency standards are feasible, but that's what they always say, like with uh, fuel economy mandates for cars, pr- forcing more electric cars. Uh, in both cases, with electric cars and appliances, the administration is using regulation to impose policies and coerce behavior they can't get Congress to endorse. And there's the rub. Congress has the power of the purse over these bureaucratic, out-of-control agencies, and they could put their thumb in their eye, but they won't do it. They just let the bureaucrats make the rules that affect all of our lives. So finally, here's the last paragraph here. The new rules betray that the administration is trying to eliminate gas stoves by whatever means possible. The Biden CP, this Consumer Product Safety Commission, was preparing to use the Federal Hazardous Substances Act as a pretext to ban them before the public went crazy uh, last month, claiming emissions were a hidden hazard and all that. Uh, it, it exacerbated childhood asthma, which, of course, if your child has asthma, you get an electric stove and have a nice day, right? And this is, listen to this, the last sentence here. The Inflation Reduction Act <laughs> also includes an $840 rebate to buy electric stoves plus $500 to convert from gas. Yes, Americans, they really are coming for your gas stoves, according to the Wall Street Journal. $840 rebate and a $500 credit for changing from uh, gas to electric uh, conveniently billed to our great-grandchildren who haven't even been born yet and don't even know the kind of burdens we're putting on them. So... If they can't get it one way, they get it another. So there you go. I don't know why we put up with this, but uh, it just brings to mind one of the comments, not this article, but one of the other gas stove articles from this past week. Uh, And I love when you read an article in a a political blog or in a newspaper like the Wall Street Journal or the Daily Mail or something, always go to the comment section because some of them are really very, very clever and very interesting and kind of some of them kind of funny this was a quote uh by c.s lewis that a guy responded to one of these gas take your hands off my gas stove articles c.s lewis said this in 1948 and this is so perfect of all tyrannies a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive it would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies like bureaucrats. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep or get less, and his cupidity may at times become satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. Let me read that again. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience, which means it's for your own good. And aren't I a superior person for recognizing this and getting it done? It's, it's, it's makes the world a better place. And aren't I a righteous person? Uh, anyway, there's no, it's endless. It is endless. And I, and I, I'm not sure there's enough of an uproar or a concentrated uproar to reverse these processes uh, because uh, it's the uh, it's the diffuse interest versus the concentrated interest. There are people like I'm just to pick a name out of a hat. There's a zillion of them. Earth First people, the Sierra Club people, and their concentrated interest is in the environment without considering the trade-offs. And then there's the rest of us poor suckers where the diffuse or diverse interests. Uh, it's not worth. We got to go to work. You got to raise kids. You got to have a raise your family. 
and you're not going to march with a sign in the street about gas stoves because you're too your life's too busy but the people that want to get rid of gas stoves that's all they think about 24 7 so that's the concentrated interests versus the diffuse interests and that's a concept from milton friedman and one of those guys uh beware of people that do stuff for your own good because they think about this stuff as i say 24 7 it's an obsession of theirs and we get to pay the pay the freight don't we well that's my let me get my off my soapbox here and come down and stand on the regular old dirty carpet here in the studio and we'll get we'll get back to talking about uh house stuff here i've got some great email for this week but yeah they're coming after your gas stove get ready for it right quarter till the hour time for a break be right back right after this and we have live email today at aroundthehouse.com second button from the left we'll be right back Okay, it's 10 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Good to have you with us. A shout out to our fans and friends in Casper listening on KTWO up there at the mighty uh, K2, as they call it, up there in Wyoming. We're glad you're you're with us uh, on the program. Thank you for uh, all your loyalty up there. I've been going into, I guess my show started in Casper 1998, as I remember, so it's been a long time, and we're... So glad that, well, that heck, that's 25 years. So thanks, Casper, for hanging in there with us at K2. Now, they, they do time shift the program a little later on a Saturday afternoon. So if you uh, if you want to get involved on the show as it's as it's uh, on live, uh, we're one to three down here in Colorado. So you can, uh, normally you can call during that time, but uh, today, which is... Uh, you're not going to they're not going to get the show till next week are they is that right uh chris yes okay so it won't matter next week we'll have the phones working again but uh right now our phones are iffy so we want you to uh email me at aroundthehouse.com if you have something you want to share with us here on the program don't forget the podcast of uh, the program will, this one will be available a couple hours after we or less after we get off the air Chris will get the podcast up at the KRDO site. And of course, you got CC hockey today, right? Yep, later on tonight. So you got to um, balance all that. Yeah, I'll you, get it all in before I, that. So it is, you're a multitasker. Yes, I, I know you are. But anyway, yeah, I used to get it in about ninety minutes after the broadcast. About ninety so. minutes, okay, yeah. So we have those going back to the first weekend in July. If you want to download the podcast, are very popular, and we're gl- grateful for that. So that's, uh, or you can go to my site and. And it takes you right through to the KRDO podcast site at aroundthehouse.com. Just listen to podcasts, and there it is. Let's see. Dan says, I put in a new humidifier this winter, and it doesn't seem to be doing any good. Am I expecting too much from my humidifier? Uh, Speaking of humidifiers, by the way, and I, I didn't think I mentioned that in the commercial. My buddies at Click Heating and Air have those great April Air Model 600s starting at six and a quarter, which is a great price. If you want humidity in your life, and if you have people in your house uh, that need a little extra humidity because you get kids get colds and have all kinds of nasal and breathing things going on, it's good to have a little humidity because it's so dry here in the Rockies. So Dan, yeah, you you got that humidifier and doesn't seem to be doing any good. Well, you can't expect humidities to be uh, to be perfect in our part of the world. Our climate uh, is so dry here. Our ambient outdoor humidity is you know sometimes down less than 10 
percent. So the minute you open the door to the garage to bring in the groceries, it can do undo several hours uh, that your humidity has been struggling to raise the humidity. But um, uh, let me ask you rhetorically, because this is an email, Dan, make sure your humidifier does is a plugged into the hot water side of the of the plumbing this is a common mistake many folks simply run the little feed pipe to the humidifier to the closest water pipe and if that's cold then that's a problem because warm water evaporates more quickly than cold water so check out which is the case at your house uh and how do you run this humidifier do you just run it as the furnace uh, kicks it on and off or do you run it all the time remember uh, your humidifier only works when the furnace fan is running. So you need to click that little switch on your thermostat from there's a little should be a little switch that says fan somewhere on your on your thermostat and you click it from auto to on so it runs all the time 24/7. It'll waste a little electricity, but the relative humidity in your house will rise because now you're adding humidity constantly and the the gas as we as it needs heat the gas flames will come on and off as they need to, but the humidifier will be running uh, all the time. Now, the April air humidifier I just mentioned has a little computer inside. That's This is even the best of both worlds because there's a humidistat somewhere in the vicinity of your furnace that senses the relative humidity in the house. And with this April air model uh, and the little built-in computer, it senses that it's drying out in the house and will kick the furnace fan and hence the humidifier on whenever we need extra humidity regardless of what the heat set at so look for one of those the april air model 600 i have one in my house and it has that little computer inside it really works works well just takes charge of everything the furnace uh, and the furnace fan and the humidifier so when it needs to come on it comes on regardless of what your heat is set at so that is a good way to get the best of both worlds but remember hot water feed to the humidifier and i'm amazed at how many cold water feeds i see uh it's it's stunning to me i, I do some home inspecting as i've told you uh, in the past and i see a lot of uh, a lot of uh, humidifiers plumbed uh, again the closest water pipe uh that is sometimes a cold water pipe and that doesn't do any good because cold water takes longer to evaporate in the humidifier you get the idea so uh, and in terms of what to expect, uh, I have mine, uh, my humidifier set at about 40%, and it never really gets that high. 30 to 35% is about as high as I've seen the humidity in my house. Again, because it tends to leak out to the drier, uh, to the, to the drier atmosphere, it, it, they just neutralize each other because it's so dry outside, <clears throat> and humidity tends to... Uh, to uh, to diminish based on the ambient surroundings of your house. So 35% is about all you can expect no matter what it's set at. Now, that wouldn't be the case in other parts of the country. Uh, you Obviously, when uh, there are humid parts of the southeast, the middle Atlantic states, the New England states where I grew up are naturally uh, 40 to 50% all the time anyway outdoors. So it's not hard to get a high humidity reading in the house now uh you, one of the indicators that you're over humidifying and dan that's not your email here so i don't want to you know this is just a, a general comment one of the ways you can tell that you're over humidifying is condensation on the windows 
because cold air holds less moisture than warm air. So as the temperature outside falls, you're going to get condensation because the dew point changes and you you just get condensation because the humidity condenses out of the air on the cold windows and windowsills and so on. So if you see a lot of condensation on your windows, turn the humidifier down or turn it off until the temperature goes up. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look, there should be a little chart somewhere around your humidity control in the furnace utility room someplace. It'll give you a chart with outside temperature on one side and humidity setting on the other. And as the temperature gets down below 30, 25, 30 degrees, you need to start turning that humidistat down so that there's less humidity in the uh, less humidity being put into the air, so less condensation on your windows. Because that's kind of a sign. Condensation on your windows, humidifier is running too much or is turned up too high. Other than that, humidifiers work really well here, and I would encourage you to call my buddies over there at Click Heating and uh, get, there's a lot of winter left and. If you're, if you're, you know, your fingers are dry, your complexion, uh, you feel kind of dried out, and uh, maybe you have some uh, respiratory nasal issues and so on. Uh, Humidity's good. It's good for you and your body and your skin. It's also good for your furniture and your hardwood floors and your cabinets. So extra humidity, a little extra humidity, is good for you and your surroundings in your house. Uh, so that April Air Model 600, only six and a quarter over there at my buddies at Click Heating and Air. You might check that out. So that's uh, part one. We'll be back with part two after the uh, news of the Around the House program. Again, phone line problems. So instead of giving the phone number, I'll remind you, you can email me at aroundthehouse.com. We'll see you right after the news. Stick around. Uh, six minutes after the hour. Good to have you with us. Part two of Around the House. We're glad you're with us here. We have some phone line issues uh, today. So if you want to get a hold of me, and I'd be delighted to uh, read your email on the air, just simply go to aroundthehouse.com. Second button from the left, I, it says, I can never remember, Chris. It says either email can or contact can, and I can't remember which it is. Anyway, I'll see your email right here in the studio. And Chris reminded me, and I'm, I appreciate you doing that, buddy, uh, of... Uh, I every Sunday I record a little promo for what's coming up on this week's program, and we talked about ice dams uh, in the promo uh, and clogged gutters, frozen gutters, those kinds of things. So it's worth talking about. Now it's it's warmer today, but it won't stay like this for a long time. You know, it's, it, we were just talking about what an awful time they're having back east, Mount Washington, which is the tallest peak in New England. 110 below zero. They have some wicked winds up there. They're, they have set in the past records for all-time wind velocity in the continental U.S. sometimes and that sort of thing. Well, it showed a picture of the weather station on Mount Washington, and uh, it was just coated with ice. And um, there's a TV, a WMUR, I think, one of the Channel 9, one of the TV stations has their antenna on Mount Washington, and you can see it sticking up. It has an ice shield around it. it has like a, a big heated cone around the antenna because uh, the antenna itself, if it freezes up, it, it, you don't get any radiation from it. So uh, the ice uh, 
freezes on the cone, but the antenna's inside the cone, so people can still watch TV. But it's wicked on Mount Washington. Well, all of New England, New York State, now they're getting all hit with with uh, wicked wind chills and ice storms and all kinds of issues back there, which is kind of what winter does in the northern hemisphere this time of uh, of year. It's no, not a mystery. Uh, we When I, I read the Mount Washington article, uh, Chris, on Daily Mail, which, by the way, I really like the DailyMail.com. It has a great section for the U.S. And in the comments section, every single comment was about, hello, global warming, global warming, you know, and it's 110 below zero. Any, anyhow... Uh, I wanted to talk about ice dams a little bit because we do have them here uh, in uh, uh, in our part of the world in the Rockies. Uh, ice dams, of course, are uh, prominent because when you get that freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw cycle, that's where ice dams come from for the most part. Uh, we get those overnight below freezing temperatures, and then in the day it can be like today. What is it, 55 or something like that? So you get the freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw, and you get a little extra snow up there on the north side of your roof. Uh, that snow stays there because the sun's too low this time of year. So that tends to, in the freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw cycles, turn to ice, and there's ice dams. So it's a combination of snow buildup, of shadow from the sun, uh, of, of melting and freezing and refreezing snow and and that kind of thing ice dams are not funny because they can really affect your structure of your house itself by getting inside the house getting a freeze thaw of the uh, of the uh, the, the freeze-thaw can get under the shingles. Uh, we can get ice melting and refreezing in the attic and water stains and mildew and mold in the attic and all kinds of stuff you don't want any part of. So if you have an ice dam on the north side of your house, and that's where they almost always are, icicles and ice dams, uh, I, icicles, you, you, uh, icicles tend to be a little more of a southern thing because you get a little more melting with the warm sun and then refreeze and refreeze. So you can get icicles anywhere around your house. Probably the bigger ones, the ones that you remember, the long ones that can hurt, actually hurt people are tend to be on the southern exposures because of that freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw thing. But ice dams, icicles, wherever they happen to be are a pain and you need to kind of deal with them. Now, the, if you get ice dams, if uh, chronic ice dam issues then heat cable is the way around that heat cable you just lay it on the well there's you can do there's two or three ways to install it the common way you see this in uh parts of the country like minnesota and places like that where ice dams are a major issue they'll zigzag it along the bottom of the roof on the bottom most shingles and just leave it plugged in year round and it gets warm when the temperature gets below 37 fahrenheit and when instead of the ice dams forming this zigzag heat cable tends to retard them and the water melts and gets into the gutter where it belongs and then you can lay heat cable in your gutter if you want just lay it in the bottom of the gutter and just string it out you can even drop heat cable down through the downspouts because sometimes they freeze and cause all kinds of issues and you can leave this stuff they're plugged in year-round so heat cable is the answer now if you have gutter covers or gutter screens like oh you know um, leaf guard uh and gutter helmet though those kinds of those there's several brands those i don't want to pick on those two necessarily but t- gutter covers by their very nature tend to produce ice dams a little more often than regular gutters because uh the snow just kind of sits there 
uh, instead of melting into the gutter so much and it clogs up the little slots and the holes and so on and gutter screens. So again, uh, you can use heat cable to to get rid of those that ice dam formation. Um, one of the things that uh, I see a lot, if you have a north-facing house, if the front of your house faces north, and I'll see this so often, there'll be a, you walk up the driveway and there's a sidewalk going into the front door and there'll be a downspout right there. The downspout freezes and overflows. The water drips onto the front walk, and there's a skating rink on that sidewalk. Well, that's all because of the north exposure. No sunshine. The sun's too low to to heat up that area. So that's a great place to drop a, a heat cable down through that downspout and, again, leave it plugged in so it'll start to melt the ice before it forms. Uh, also, of course, Hopefully, the builder will have tunneled under the sidewalk so the downspout dumps into a pipe and can run under the sidewalk. You, you get that uh, idea. But if you have a skating rink in the, in the front of your house from an overflowing gutter, it's usually because the downspout's full of ice. And sometimes you have to wait till spring to get that heat cable down there because you can't. It's, it's fairly difficult to melt ice that's clogged up uh, a downspout. So that's, that's just some thoughts on ice dams and gutters and frozen gutters and so on they're 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 not good news as i said in my promo because they can really affect the shingles and uh uh and 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 interfere with your roof and your roof leaks and so on um ice storms um you know i don't think my son lives in sioux city iowa uh chris and they get ice storms there a lot uh it's it's a combination of kind of sleet and rain and freezing drizzle and snow and all that they get we, we don't get that as much here um where the power lines go down the trees fall and so on we do get it a little bit the the folks out the in our part of the world the people that are affected by the, this ice formation are more out east where the power lines are all above ground so they collect ice you know when you get enough ice it'll, they'll break and so on but we don't have the ice dam or ice um storm problems that they do in more humid parts of the world uh, so that's new england was famous for that and they're getting one right now right uh, in the new england states because of the higher humidity yeah uh, we we tend to be a little blessed from that uh from that standpoint so well, uh, i was kind of inquiring about because of the ice storms they had this week in dallas where everything was parking lots yeah, and, and, and they also had power uh, power problems, right? Mm-hmm. Again, we had power lines go down. I don't know about the did, – did they talk about freezing wind turbines this time like last year or not so much? I don't think so. Okay. But there, they, there was a lot of power loss there just from wires coming down. Yeah. So welcome to the world of global warming, I guess. It's winter, and that's what happens in the in the wintertime. Yeah, but those, those ice storms, again, higher humidity. That's where you get the more of the ice storms, the sleet – there's a combination of freezing rain which is an interesting phenomenon where or it can be raining and freezes on uh, cold surfaces uh, sleet uh, snow drizzle uh, you know and then the wind the wind chill of course uh, is is not a phenomenon that it, it, it to inanimate object wind chill is more of a how it feels on human skin but that when the wind blows that can exacerbate uh, ice dams and uh, I'm sorry uh, um, what were we just talking about? Ice storms from the blowing uh, wind because you get more moisture uh, on on a wire. It builds up more quickly if the wind's blowing and all that. So 
It's complicated, but the point is it's winter in the northern hemisphere, and we're going to have spring here. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and it suddenly hit me. In about 30 days, which doesn't sound very long, we can start to, we'll start to feel spring, won't we? The first part of March. It, it'll feel like... That's when the heavy snow will arrive. Well, I know, but the freezing temperatures will have gone, and that's because, like, right now, what is it? Well, not, uh, let's see, the first part of February. The middle, the second, third, and fourth weeks of February, I'll go outside and I'll see the little crocuses popping their little leaves up. So that's not that far away. Yeah, March is our heaviest snowstorms, but but it's more mild weather, and, and the cold temperatures are... Um, I've had enough this year. Time for something else, right? Spring ain't that far away, and I love spring here. When the trees start coming out, is such a wonderful time of the year, especially when those when the uh, forsythia start blooming and the and the little bulbs start to appear and so on. By the way, uh, don't forget winter watering when uh, when it warm. You know, like this weekend would be a good time to winter water when it's fifty, sixty degrees. Make sure your flower gardens and lawn has a little moisture on them and uh and that's pretty important if the ground's frozen uh my i have a friend who's in the construction industry does excavating and those kinds of things he said in certain parts of the county uh they have 12 inches or a uh, frozen uh ground uh frozen earth uh, which he puts in septic tanks and things and they have to scratch through that uh, and but that's not i remember when i first got here in the 70s uh, it wasn't uncommon to have 36 inches of frost in the ground and boy you try to dig a hole to build a house and that's a tough a tough situation war stories right weather war stories i'm a little late here 17 after the hour we'll take a break be back with uh, again uh, phone line issues so live email at aroundthehouse.com right here on around the house Here's a commercial for Dutch's Home Improvement, a name I know you've heard and you've seen them around town. They've been here over 30 years. Gary, the owner of Dutch's, I'm impressed with his commitment to customer service. Good old-fashioned customer service. He carries only the best brand of windows, and that's the topic of this commercial in that natural gas prices will continue to go up. And if you've got ugly old windows, especially with single pane of glass, you're wasting a lot of money. So I want you to call Dutch's, get some energy-efficient windows Vinyl windows from Dutch's on your house to start saving money. The minute they go on, both summer and winter, if you have AC in the summer, then good windows will, of course, save you energy then. Uh, but the the big news, the big uh, point here, the big headline is natural gas prices. I want you to save money on your energy bill by calling Dutch's Home Improvement. 719-392-1369. They carry only the best brands, best installers in town. Dutch's Home Improvement, 719 719- Three nine two thirteen sixty nine. Hey, it's twenty one minutes after the hour uh, on the Around the House program. Uh, Chris was just talking about a phenomenon that's very rare, apparently called frost quakes or ice quakes back east when there's a lot of underground water, and of course they have a lot of moisture, you know, and and rain and underground uh, water table issues and so on. When that water freezes, apparently. There's some seismic activity. There, you'll get bulging. You know, when water freezes, it increases its volume by about nine percent. That's why pipes freeze and break. So apparently, these little quakes, the earth shakes and cracks a little bit and wiggles uh, as that water expands. Is that what you're saying, Chris? Uh, like like a seismic activity from frost. From well, when it gets barely cold underneath, and all of a sudden the the water underneath the um, underneath the uh, ground 
about like 10, 15 feet underground, yeah. all of a sudden gets hard and solid. Yeah. And then when it starts warming up, then all of a sudden it causes uh, shifts in the underneath underneath in the ground. Like well, I would imagine that since the water, when it freezes, expands, you get that action. And then when it melts, you get the reverse action. So up and down. Yes, that's interesting. That's not something that we have out here. Because but, I mean, it also is creating loud booms as yeah, well in the, yeah. in the ground. Yeah. Wow. Okay. If, never run out of things to worry worry about, do we? You know, just as an example, uh, here in uh, uh, central Colorado, I'm not sure about Wyoming. It's probably about the same. We get about 12, 13 inches of rain a year on the average. Where I grew up in Massachusetts, it's 40 inches plus, maybe 48 in some places. So you can see how much extra moisture is back there. That's why we have such wonderful vegetable gardens and flower beds and all that. And we struggle out here, don't we? Th- speaking of that, I need to get John Creddy uh, sometime during the month of February, our gardening with an altitude guy, because we'll start talking about spring gardening. Anyway, here's a uh, Lynn sent me an email here. Uh, uh, she lives in a 1964 house, and it has only two slot electrical outlets. Uh, I bought new three prong ones, but there's no ground wire. What should I do? This is a very interesting uh, question. Uh, and uh, you're you're right to be concerned. Now, here I have good news and bad news, Lynn. Here's the deal: if 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 you have a, a an appliance or a device that has only two prongs, like stereos usually only have two prongs, TV sets, uh, just all kind of lamps, of course, only have two prongs, then you're fine. You don't need that third ground. But any device that has that third prong the odd one you know there's two flat slots and then that round prong that's the grounding prong for an outlet and if 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 it if you have a a plug on a device or an appliance with three prongs then you must have a grounded outlet so that's why you're concerned lynn i i I get it so what i'm saying is uh priority wise here your living room your bedrooms usually two prongs is fine in there because we have very seldom do we have a need for uh the three prong uh, devices with three prong uh, uh, plugs on them, but in areas of your house where there's appliances—the laundry room, the kitchen, uh, any place that that you have a grounded surface with water and plumbing mixed with electrical, like the disposal, dishwasher, uh, clothes washer, refrigerator—all of those have to be a three prong outlet uh, for sure in a grounded outlet. So. Yeah, and you you must live in a house that only was wired with two uh, with a wire with two conductors. You know, now when we build a new house, every wire, uh, the cabling inside the walls has three wires in it: the hot, the neutral, and the ground wire. So, what you'll have to do in your house, Lynn, is to chase a ground wire. That is, you'll have to uh, you, you bought your three prong or three hole outlets right and there's a ground screw there so you're gonna have to fish a wire from a cold water pipe somewhere where there's a ground uh, in into that box um and uh, and to, to create the ground now your house in a 1964 house it was common to wire with conduit which was like steel pipe throughout the house uh the steel pipe would run through the walls and under the floors and in the attic and so on and we would shove wires through the steel pipe. It's called conduit. If you have that in your house, you're lucky because that conduit pipe can be the ground wire that is now missing because that pipe is grounded and you can hook it up in that box to that third prong 
uh, and then have a grounded outlet. So you're going to have to get uh, in. Um, you're going to have to get an electrician involved. Uh, I think if you have if you have no grounded outlets in your house, especially as I say in the kitchen, laundry area, uh, for sure. So uh, you can buy a little tester. You can buy this online. They're eight or ten bucks a piece. It's a little device. Oh, about the size of a. Remember the remember an old thirty five millimeter film canisters uh, about that size with three three prongs on it uh, to plug into an outlet and that tells you whether the uh, outlet is wired properly with a grounded connection or not. So buy one or two of those and so you can run around the house and check your wiring. So uh, a nineteen sixty four house, you know that's pretty that's pretty old. That's going on sixty years old and. So I'd be surprised if there hasn't been some grounded outlets added here and there, like kitchen and laundry, I hope. But you'll have to check it out yourself. But if you need a ground at a particular outlet, now computers are another thing that need a, a grounded outlet because they need that ground in the frame of the computer and all the associated equipment to carry static electricity char- uh, discharges away. So you must ground your computer. Again, you can chase a ground wire. You can, If you have a crawl space house, you can drop a wire from an outlet down into the crawl space and find a, a cold water pipe. Uh, that will give you a pretty good ground, uh, or, or you can take the wire all the way back to your electric panel. But uh, you need to get grounding where there's three prongs, uh, and if any device that has a three-prong plug needs to have a grounded outlet. So that would, that's going to be roughly, oh, 25% of the outlets in your house. The rest of them can stay two-prong if you'd like. Who cares for a lamp or, or you know, or a clock or anything like that. Um, one other comment on older wiring ground faults gfci ground fault circuit protection was invented in the uh, kind of the mid 70s give or take uh these are the outlets that have those little push buttons in them like you see in bathrooms and motels and places like that and that you need those in your house um you can um uh you can just put those those wherever you have uh, a, another a regular outlet. Just stick the GFCI outlets in there. You don't necessarily need uh, a third ground wire for them to do their to do their job. Uh, and um, it's better to have a ground wire, but it's not a hundred percent necessary if if you put GFCI outlets in as added protection around plumbing. But you got to get those you got to get those grounded outlets. There's no substitute for that. So um that's kind of the the the, uh, the story on that in an older house with older wiring three wiring of houses i remember i saw my first uh grounded outlet uh in the uh late 60s i guess it was kind of common uh as a matter of fact i do remember seeing some gfc outlets maybe in the late 60s early 70s that kind of thing so that's kind of when all this started grounded third wire grounding started uh, sometime in the 60s and it depends what part of the country you were in whether it got done quickly or not and whether you had conduit or not uh, different jurisdictions had different rules at the time of course now the federal government wants one size fits all for everybody but that wasn't the case 40 50 uh years ago so lynn thank that's a that's a, was a good question i'm i'm glad um you got in by email here speaking of email if you um have tried to call in and you can't get in it there's a reason for that it's uh we have some phone line issues here but we have live email at aroundthehouse.com time for a break be back right after this right here 
on Around the House. Welcome to your weekend. Thanks for sharing it with us on the program. We'll be right back. Okay, it's 24 minutes before the hour on the Around the House program. Don't forget our podcast uh, of this show will be up within an hour or two of, uh, of going off the air here. And you can go back and look uh, to historical podcasts of the Around the House programs. And that they're getting a lot of use and a lot of hits, a lot of downloads. We're grateful uh, for that. That's kind of neat. Let's see here. Uh, Ron says, I bought a new water heater. Should I put a blanket around it? Well, that's an, I would have answered the question a little differently in years gone by than i am about to i used to used to say yeah put a blanket around all of them and and i'm not i don't think that's necessarily the case first of all there are new requirements in the last i'm thinking four years three goes by so fast three or four years the federal government came up with new rules about thicker insulation around water heaters so water heaters have gotten a little fatter and there have been i've heard anecdotes of people that uh can get their old water heater out of the closet but they can't get the new one in because the door is not wide enough that kind of thing so water heaters have gotten a little bit bigger in diameter so a new water heaters for sure don't need any extra insulation and if you think about it if you have a hot water heater in your a gas fired water heater in your furnace room utility room any radiation from that water heater stays inside the energy envelope of your house so it's not a big deal inside the heated living environment of your house now if your water heater uh those of you in manufactured homes have a water heater closet on the outside of the building where it gets really cold yeah you want to put a blanket around that or in a crawl space uh and 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 there are uh, uh you know water heaters uh stubby electric water heaters they don't make by the way they don't make the stubby or short gas water heaters anymore but any water heater in a crawl space which is a not a conditioned space it's not part of the indoor living environment that should have a blanket around it any electric water heater regardless of location it's a good idea to put a blanket around it if you have an electric water heater inside your house in the furnace room it costs three or four times to heat a gallon of water with electric than it does with gas that's why this on this insane push by the federal government to electrify houses is so crazy but i'm, I'm not going to get on that soapbox again but anyway uh it's because it's so expensive to heat water with electric electricity that you really should wrap a blanket around any electric water heater regardless of location okay and any <clears throat> excuse me any gas water heater in a cold spot in the house should have a, a blanket wrapped around it uh, but again, in most cases, people, you, you people listening to the program, the typical setup, probably in 80, 90 percent of houses I'm broadcasting to has a gas water heater inside the house. And those a blanket is sort of optional. OK, I, I didn't I don't have one of mine because I don't think it's a, a, a cost effective thing to do. But if you do put a, a blanket around your gas water heater, make sure you uh, any there, there'll be some. In air intake screens or vents uh, here and there that you want to make sure you don't cover up with your water heater blanket. And, of course, any controls, you want to protect those from the blanket. So you can get prepackaged insulating blankets. They're, what it is is fiberglass insulation wrapped in plastic. You can get those for 15 bucks or so at a, at Lowe's or, or uh, Walmart or online or whatever. And uh, so that's kind of the story uh, with that and you you asked about 
roundabout if you need one you didn't say you say you bought a new water heater didn't say where it is or what kind what kind it is if it's just a gas water heater in your furnace room i would just leave it alone i don't think it's a big uh it's a big deal but anyway new energy efficient standards i'm looking here in my notes uh oh my gosh yeah it, it looks, looks like about eight or not seven or eight years ago like 2000 15 is when those new standards came along so any water heater you bought in the last few years will be uh, have extra insulation around it anyway so it's kind of superfluous but again any electric water heater regardless of location i would wrap a blanket around it and they quit making this what we used to call stubby water heaters the short ones they're about 42 inches tall something like that yeah they quit making those in gas about 20 years ago and i never got an explanation for why they quit making them other than the, they weren't selling that many i suppose and they're more expensive so anybody that's got a stubby gas water heater in a crawl space you got to replace it with an electric water heater which means you got to run an electric line there and all that so uh what what are you going to do as they say let's see paul says i've heard you talk about and i haven't talked about this for a while i've heard you talk about cutting off the bedroom doors for better heating why do this and what's the best way that's it paul that's a great question uh and i as i say i haven't talked about this in a while so um if you get new carpet and pad in your house you may notice that there was a gap below the bedroom doors that now is closed up because the new pad and the carpet are thicker uh and uh, so you you always have to have a gap from the bottom of the door to the floor covering about an inch to an inch and a quarter or so is ideal if you close that gap up then you're not going to get good heat in those bedrooms because the heat has to circulate with the bedroom doors closed the heat that comes out of the heat registers in the floor has to go someplace it has to escape out of the room and get back into the furnace and the only way they can do that with the door closed is to have what we call an undercut that's a gap from the bottom of the door to the floor covering to the carpet or wood whatever it happens to be uh, the warm air has got to get back and get through that furnace you, you get the idea it has to circulate so you want to if, if you put uh uh, sometimes builders just don't do this well or the builders don't realize how fancy a carpet and pad is going to be in that house and so that's there won't be a space there in the first place and that means you got to cut the doors off yourself uh, how do you do this is you got to take the each door off and lay it on a couple of saw horses and you you mark the cut with a pencil of course an inch to an inch and a quarter and then you get a straight edge and score a a line on the surface of the door because when you cut the door you don't want chips to fly and make a make a mess so if you cut you know uh, skill saws you know hand saw whether it's battery or electric powered they rotate upwards and so if you're going to get chipping it's going to be on the top of the door as you cut it so you got to score that with a with a sharp like a linoleum knife or something and then just uh a clamp a straight edge to the door and just nice and slowly cut the bottom of the door off touch it up with some sandpaper and that's all you need to do but you want that inch to inch and a quarter gap under all bedroom doors and that's typically where this is a problem you know, there you know i suppose in there can be an office or a or a, uh, a hobby room or something uh other places in the house that also need this because again otherwise the rooms will heat 
poorly. Generally, the living room, kitchen, dining room, great room, family room, those are all open spaces, and we don't really worry about undercut of doors in those cases. So now the only exception to this, and I don't want to get off in the weeds here, but I, I have to maybe get off a little bit, is some new homes – Builders put return air, cold air returns in each bedroom separately. And that's a really cool way to configure a house because in that case, the door can be as tight as you want. You don't, the heat circulation doesn't have to, the heat doesn't have to escape from the bedroom and get out into the house itself with a, a cold air, separate cold air return in uh, say the master bedroom. Uh, the heat will just circulate whether the door is open or closed. So that's a, an exception, but that's not typical Typically, we need a gap under the bedroom doors so the heat can circulate. Because the heat, the only way you heat up a house is if the cool air, cold air, gets back in the cold air return system and goes back through the furnace to be reheated and circulate around and around. So that's kind of the story on that one. So that was a great, uh, thank you uh, for that email. That's a good question. I hadn't talked about that uh, in some time. All right, time for a break. We'll be back right after this. Again, live email at aroundthehouse.com. We'll be right back right here on Around the House. You know, life is too short not to have central air at your house. The trouble is there are new government regulations that mean you'll pay a lot more if you don't act right now. Now, Click Heating and Air has a limited supply of the 13 SEER air conditioners, which have been allowed, you know, for many years now. Once these are gone and the new regulations kick in, it'll cost $1,000 or more for your AC system. So now's the time to get this done. Call Click Heating and Air and say you want central air at your house So you don't go through another hot summer and you'll love it. You'll just love central air. I love mine. It's it's like creating your own indoor air environment. So call, click, and get in the queue for uh, the limited supply of the 13 Sear air conditioners, 719-782-5425, or go to their really cool uh, interactive website with instant pricing at clickheatingandair.com. But act now before these supplies are gone. And once they do, you'll pay a lot more for Central Air. Call Click at 719-782-5425. It's 11 minutes before uh, the hour on the Around the House program. Uh, one more shout-out to our friends up there in uh, Casper and listening on K2. 50,000-watt KTWO in Casper. If you ever get into Wyoming, just punch up 1030 on the dial. And wherever you go in Wyoming, that's pretty much where you hear ktwo we're glad uh, you're with us uh let's see oh uh, chris had asked me we were talking about ground faults gfcis a little push button outlets that you can put in your house uh to uh to make the house safer especially around plumbing because wa- plumbing and electrical don't mix and you know you don't want to get shocks and you don't want to have jeopardy with electric air dryers or curling irons or whatever you use around a sink gfcis will protect you and by the way outside outlets too have to be gfci anything garden sheds outdoor buildings of all kinds and in the garage and any patio or front porch outlets all have to be uh, gfci and if you even if you don't have an, a grounding a grounded system like our previous email or you can put gfci outlets in anyway but you were asking chris about surge protection i think we're in a lightning prone area i read and i don't know if this is still the case that we're in the number two area of the the front range for lightning after orlando 
Uh, Florida has not, most lightning of anybody, and uh, and we do have a lot of lightning here, especially if you have a lot of, you know, the higher you are from the surrounding terrain, the more likely you are to get a hit. And there's also some evidence that certain neighborhoods have a bigger propensity for lightning strikes because of the underlying soil. Uh, maybe there's more iron in the soil. Th- those kinds of things, it's a little bit of a mystery. But if you have a lot of expensive stereo gear, audio-visual gear, if you have a servers in your house, maybe you operate um, several you know, computers out of your house and you have some employees there that come and you have a server and some fancy gear, it's a good idea to put a whole house surge protection uh, in uh, in your house. And that's easy to do. Uh, you can buy a surge protector, protector and just wire it in to your main electric panel. It just sits there and monitors, and if there's any kind of a surge uh from uh, nearby lightning strikes uh, it'll open up uh and and uh it, it will dissipate the surge into the grounding system uh, of the house now that direct all bets are off with a direct strike we're talking about surge currents in the neighborhood let's say and that's where we're concerned about the grounding system in a house the water pipes are grounded to the electric system and they're grounded to an earth rod in the earth so everything's kind of tied together into the earth but the quicker that those surges can be dissipated uh, the uh, easier it is on your equipment you don't get the damage to sensitive electronic equipment so a surge protector in the main panel uh, of your um, uh, of your electric panel an electrician can do this for you they're easy to wire in yourself if you're comfortable around wiring you can buy one for oh, 100 bucks or 150 bucks online if you would like surge protection is good but don't forget your uh, that only protects the electric system if you've got incoming phone lines or cable like xfinity or something you'll need additional surge protectors for those lines and that's a that's another you know you can call xfinity and get that worked out so that's the story surge protection in a lightning prone area like ours is probably a pretty good idea especially if you have a lot of expensive gear but on servers you know they have a lot of storage uh, servers and if you have sensitive uh, uh proprietary information and files and things from your business you want to protect those so you have a duplicate and backups every night and all that but still surge protection is a is a great idea in any house in our part of the world let's see here kathy says um i've seen lots of advertising for a special brand of electric heater it's a little more expensive and i was wondering what you thought uh, of that well it sounds to me like you have a family room that maybe it's a little cold in the evening you watch tv down there you want a little extra supplemental heat so it, it doesn't more expensive or less expensive electric heaters uh, uh it, it doesn't make any difference it, it takes a specific number of btus on any particular day uh and which converts into electrical watts to satisfy the the heat loss in that room so if you get them from an expensive or a low-priced unit is irrelevant. Electric heaters are pretty much 100% efficient. So uh, it doesn't matter how much you spend uh, for your electric heater. I know, I know the brands that you mean, uh, they come in kind of fancy wood cabinets and they're kind of sexy looking and all that. But uh, I just think a, a, a ceramic space heater or a, a quiet oil-filled radiator type, you've seen those, uh, work just as well. Uh, the, a fan-driven one like the little ceramic heaters they're great because they heat the room up uh, more quickly uh, but here's the thing with electric heaters they consume gobs of electricity that's the 
that's the rub on going all electric in our houses uh versus natural gas and that's the that's the negative part of electric vehicles in the middle of a winter blizzard or snowstorm you have the electric heater in an electric car uses a lot of uh, amperage and can dissipate the battery quickly same thing in your house electric heaters will eat up your electric bill in no time add to your electric bill in no time um uh, so you have to be careful because they can overload a circuit and you get a circuit breaker uh, that trips uh, so you know you you have to be careful where you put them and what you plug them into you wouldn't want to plug an electric heater into a kitchen circuit for instance because you've got a refrigerator and a microwave maybe you've got the laundry up there too so you want to plug electric heaters into bedroom circuits or family room circuits which is a separate from your kitchen and laundry uh, area there's another thing that you might want to think about i don't know if you have thought about this kathy or not and that is to run your furnace fan 24 7 uh for a while on on the coldest nights for instance if you want to go down there after after dinner and watch tv just turn that furnace fan it'll mix up all the air masses in the house it'll make the uh, it'll take some of the heat out of the bedroom uh, level and get it down into your family room level you get the idea you might not need that electric heater if you get some circulation from the uh, from the furnace fan so that's just a uh, that's just a you know, a little trick you can use that in the winter to kind of moderate the temperatures uh, in your uh, in your house you can also use it in the summertime uh, because you can also use it to even out like the basement might be full of cold air in the summer and a hot afternoon uh and because cold air goes downstairs right you can turn the furnace fan on and pull that cold air into the system moderates the temperatures on both uh on both levels so that's just a another thought finally here what do we have <clears throat> this is from uh this is from Catherine, another another kathy when my water washing machine drains suds come up through the basement shower drain would a liquid drain cleaner work for this probably not um you probably need to get that line cleaned out we, we talked about this a little last week when you run your washing machine year after year after year there's a certain amount of lint and threads and uh, and just material that goes down those drains that get stuck in there and i think that's what might be going on your laundry drain is just kind of partially plugged up with material from your washing machine now when we think about sewer lines we clean out the main sewer line going out to the uh, to the street and that's fine everybody does that but the branch lines in your house like the laundry and the kitchen specifically have special concerns like the kitchen lines full of grease right and so that can slowly just like your heart arteries hate to say that chris but you know they get smaller and smaller the more (laughs) the more cholesterol is in your system uh same with a a kitchen sink line same with the laundry so you might you might want to catherine get a sewer cleaning company in there to specifically clean out those branch lines they'll get a little smaller blade and shove it down through there and blast some water down and get those all cleaned out and that's it's not a good sign to have the shower drain uh, cough up suds when your washing machine drains it means that the shower and the laundry are tied together and one is uh, and that common line is probably full of lint and threads and junk from your washing machine so yeah you you need to um what oh i was just saying maybe hair Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, hair can—that's uh, right. Uh, long, hair. particularly if you have a lot of people with long hair in the house, like uh, daughters and 
and uh, wife and so on with long hair. That affects the tub and the showers and the laundry. You're right. Uh, absolutely. So get those branch lines cleaned out. Kitchen and laundry, and you'll be all set. Thank you for that email. Uh, Chris uh, Moyer, thank you in the control room uh, under difficult circumstances. I appreciate your help today. We'll see you next time. God bless. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget the podcast at aroundthehouse.com. Have a good one. We'll see you next time right here on Around the House.